All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Andy. You know, we're sitting down today. You've got a a bottle of of orange Fanta in front of you, which is fitting, a fitting celebration and a fitting beverage coming off of a road win. It's a, it's a, feeling we haven't had in quite a while. And so I'm really savoring it. And, and I'm confident that it is going to be a springboard, as I said, a week ago to to more success and excitement down the stretch of this season, of course, celebrating Oregon State men's basketball every day. Exactly. It was uh, Oregon State's first road win in almost two years, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah it, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So we're in a <laughs> Oh, I love this team. All right, so we're in a celebratory mood, and we're going to break down the unfortunate Stamper loss. We're going to celebrate the Cal win. We're going to look ahead to Utah and Colorado, and we're going to play a special game where we name the what the All American. What are we going to call well, it? I, the loss to the Beavers in college All Stars is, yeah. is the is the name I have currently. That's, we'll think that, of a better. No, that's good. The loss to the Beavers in college All Stars. We'll break it all down. But first, as always. The Oregon State Fight Song. Turn it up. Oh, my God. After a win? Even sweeter, somehow. (laughs) It never gets bad. Okay, uh, let's break down the games. Um, Let's... (sighs) Let's not delve too deep into it, but let's talk about the Stanford game. Oregon State lost to Stanford, uh, previously winless in the conference, last place Stanford, 67-46, to kind of a rout. Uh, they scored. It was somewhat close, a little bit kind of randomly in the middle of the game because OSU scored the last eight points of the first half and the first eight points of the second half, which is kind of a 16-0 run that you don't see too much, but could never really find its footing overall, suffering a very – very disheartening loss. Sam, what were your thoughts? I, I again, and it just shows our dedication to, to the Peyton heads in this podcast that we're not just glossing over this game. And uh, because, uh, you know, our guys didn't either. And, and I do think lessons were learned. Uh, a disappointing performance, primarily offensively, although uh, especially early in the game, it was disappointing to see the number of dunks. Stanford there was getting so many dunks by Stanford. I don't know. At one point, it was five or six to to one for the Beavers very early on. Uh, Akano got, got a really sick dunk at the end of the Yeah, that was half. a little bit later on. That, that'll that be one. We did get a, a few. Jordan Pope also hit like a logo three. There were oddly a few highlights that'll make like the end of the year real. But um, yeah. Uh, I'll compare it to the Colorado game. Colorado, the shooting was was very poor, and this it was, it was bad at thirty four percent. But it was more that when you turn it over seventeen times, you're not going to get enough shots to win a game, especially that's not that up and down. Exactly. Yeah, and I just Harrison Ingram. Uh, we've said you're not an NBA player on this podcast multiple times, but 
after seeing you climb Jordan uh, Taylor or Glenn Taylor's back and dunk it over yeah. the top of him, you might you might be on the Grizzlies in a year. Am, am I wrong that that a Spencer Jones looks like a second round or two, or is that my Pac-12 bias? That's your Pac-12 bias. Spencer Jones is. A, I'm going to say this anyways. You're not going to deter me. Spencer Jones is a poor man, Zaire Williams. <laughs> a very poor man, Zaire Williams. Um. Uh, yeah, Spencer Jones and Michael Jones led the, the Cardinal with 18 apiece. Just in case you didn't watch the game and you only listened to this, I want to stress they're not brothers. And if I <laughs> no, no, no. if you see them in person, it becomes apparent. But they led the way. Um, our nemesis, Mitch O'Connell, Michael O'Connell, had three, four, and three. So just – he did, but still somehow made a ton it's of great very plays. Very impactful yeah. three, four, and three, and, though. And it was such a terrible way to start the game where he gets the uh, – Stanford wins the jump ball. They tip it to him, and he immediately throws it ahead of all the Beavers for like a layup dunk. That was such a disheartening way to start. Yeah, it was five to zero within like twenty seconds, which is you know you've got a whole basketball game to play. But it was an ominous start. Um, I I am going to flip this and point out that Stanford also blew out the Ducks in their next game and haven't played since then. So I think that. That was their reclamation game. They're better than what they've they've shown. Definitely. They kind of had fallen apart at the start of the Pac-12 for a team that wasn't like in such disarray. Like they played, they I don't they didn't have any huge marquee non-conference wins, but they played some good teams really close. Right. And they were of they won 16 games last year and basically brought everybody back and then added uh Michael Jones to it. Right. So I don't know. Good. A couple. One notable thing was that um, this was the first game I believe that Casey and that they've played that Casey Abekwe played more minutes than Indela. Yeah. Well, it was seven apiece, right? I think Casey had one more minute. Maybe not. Okay. Well, and if you want to have a bright spot, it was the way he played in the last like six minutes or so of that game. He mm-hmm. he did some good things. He's which... re- yeah, he's really coming on in the second half of the season. Yeah, Oregon State lost the rebounding battle, thirty-eight to twenty-six. You can kind of put that. Stanford is a similar team to Cal, or not Cal, but uh, Colorado. To kind of circle back to your previous point, because they are just big wing players. Like, there's not maybe like a huge dominating inside presence, some post that you have to match up with, like Arizona. But a lot of six-eight, a lot of six-nine, kind of rugged three-four type positional players, and they hit the glass hard. They do. Keith is a good rebounder as as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'll I'll piggyback that point that they they like Colorado are not the most favorable matchup. But that said, if they take care of the ball better, especially playing them at home, I know we can beat that team. I'm very confident that they can get one back from them when they play them at the end of the year. Yeah, I think so too. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. Um, anything else from the Stanford game you want to cover? No. No. Yeah, exactly. Let's bury that one. <laughs> We've deep. got better things to talk about, thankfully. Yeah, that'll come up in two years when you're on a real bender. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. And uh, I, uh, It was a challenging circumstances watching that game. I watched it, uh, not, not to talk about comedy on this, because nobody cares, but I watching Beaver basketball games from green rooms around other comics is a painful, painful thing to do. It makes me very antisocial and unapproachable, and I don't like it, but I'm going to do it, you know. Yeah, you've got to. Um, okay, the next game, this was going into the Cal game, which we've said on this podcast, Cal's the worst team in the country. They're the worst power five team in the country, with respects to Louisville. <laughs> I still stand by that. Yeah. Um, after a 20-point loss to Stanford, who was the worst team in the Pac-12, 
if Oregon State had lost this game, it raises a lot of red flags. It just it's essentially it ruins the season. It's almost it's so hard to come back from it that. It would be tough to come back from uh it was it was the first Cal loss last year that was one of the 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 games that kind of cemented that that things were going sideways in a very negative direction. Yeah, exactly. And so what does Oregon State do? They completely flip the script and they win sixty eight to forty eight, the largest margin of victory in the series versus Cal since nineteen ninety nine. Uh, super impressive game, much needed, just a dominant performance. I didn't think we were going to see this Oregon State team blow out another team, let alone a Power 5 conference team. Sam, what stood out to you? No, I, I thought it was set up to be a very competitive game. I expected the Beavers to to have a bounce back, but but Cal had been playing better as of late. Um, the, I'll, I'll start with Beaver stuff. I don't want to make this focus all about Cal, but Jordan Pope and Dexter Acano were both fantastic, and I think it's just contagious right now when someone can go on a little bit of a run and make a handful of shots and, you know, a quick span that everybody picks it up and, and the rebounding was great. They were just, they were the much more talented team and, and they showed it. Yeah. Akano played great. He had 16 points was six for 10 from the field, four for seven on threes. Um, he hit back to back threes kind of like later on late in the first half. And that's what really keyed the first run that put the game completely kind of out of reach or turned the momentum around. He looked great. He was really uh, just a stud. And then Pope, probably the best game of his college career, right? Maybe the Tulsa one. I mean, but yeah, uh, yeah, given this is a conference game and on the road, it means a little bit more. So we'll say this. But it got him Pac-12 freshman of the week, too, for the second time. Yeah, so he had 19 points. He was 8 for 12 from the field. But what stood out even more than the score, I mean, the scoring was super impressive. Like, he even hit a buzzer beater at the half on, like, when Stanford took two early of a shot. see his family just coincidentally in the shot, yeah. Yeah, his family. So this is his return <laughs> to the Bay Area where, where he's from. Um, but I think what really stood out to me was – he had four assists, zero turnovers. And that's been kind of something that, like, even Mike Montgomery, who was calling the game, has talked about, like, oh, you know, I thought he was just more of, like, a pure scoring guard, but now I'm seeing him really set up. He had a couple of hockey assists, too. I think this was the best game of him just being, like, a floor general and running it and showing that he really is, like, the complete package of, as a point guard. When when the ball is moving, he looks so much better individually. And, yeah, you, you, you talked about hockey assists. And those are things that in the Colorado and Stanford game, they just weren't getting any of it. It was, you know, it was ending up in either Pope or Akano's hand with about 12 seconds left on the shot clock and nothing had been accomplished. And they're kind of standing and watching. But – um, and so you and I had talked about how we'd love to see a little bit more dribble handoff stuff, but when the ball is moving the way it was against Cal, you don't miss that stuff as much. Yeah, the offense looked really good. A little bit of a shakeup to the starting lineup because they'd started uh, Billadu and um, Retai as the posts in the Stanford game. Went back to Andel as the starter. Retai came off the bench. He had eight and six, six rebounds, led the Beavers. I thought he played really well coming off the bench is probably like earning his way back into a starting lineup spot. Yeah, I would think so. I understand going with, with Rodrigue instead because you're trying to be a little beefier, even though technically he's an inch or two shorter than than Retai, but he's the more experienced and better rebounder at this point. And he did all right, but um, his his three quick fouls in the second half were huge to get Ebekwe more minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, Ebekwe played uh, 21 minutes. He had... I'll read off his stat line. And he fucking balled out. He balled out. This is easily his best game of his college career. He had six points, four rebounds, two assists, and two blocks, zero turnovers, three for five from the field. 
just gorgeous stuff. I mean, like when it's slow, it's slowing down for him a little bit and he's gotten better so fast. Like the kid I saw play against a bunch of six, five dudes from Lewis and Clark is, is a completely different player than he is now. It does seem like he's developing really well. And he's got two great post coaches like in Reveno and, um, Tinkle to learn from. So like, this is a perfect environment for a post player. And you've seen Oregon state. Like if you look back at Silva and how he was, borderline unplayable like a sophomore or a junior, whenever he came in uh, from his school and then how he developed over like three years at Oregon State. If they have Casey Abekwe, who's a very impressive physical specimen and seems to have with them, some of these assistants stuff like that, somewhat of a natural feel for the game, even if it is not grossly apparent. Even, even he's a brick wall, even to like the Brandon Carlson's and Ballows. He is a giant. Yeah. And, and he's starting to put it to, yeah, you Initially, you don't see that that natural touch, but it's starting to become apparent. Yeah. So he that's really interesting. If he can come in and kind of give you some more minutes, that really increases the depth at the center spot. And you're going to need that because both Colorado and especially Utah, who Oregon State take on this week, have big centers. Right. And also, I want to declare that the Beckway dunk watch is on. We yeah. had we had the Dastrip dunk watch. It was really, really heartbreaking to have to to end that, but it's it's officially on with KC. I gotta do a bike on Beaver on Peyton Dastrow and see where he's oh, at. I am days. very curious. That's coming up very soon, I'm sure. We could probably get him on this. He seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, one more thing to note from the Cal game, or just one other thing that I want to point out was that I thought that uh, Rushland had great defense, really impactful defense off the bench, and even though he didn't score very much in the game, it, to me it was noticeable. Um, just how he came in and was able to disrupt the game defensively. Yeah, I think with, with a couple more games, he's he's going to settle into a role as a very useful 3 and D type guy, not to overgeneralize what he does. Because, like you said, he didn't score a lot, but the three he hit kind of broke Cal's back. It, it stopped their one tiny run early in the second half, and from there it was kind of a blowout. Yeah, and it's always impressive for Oregon State to win at Cal because historically that's been kind of a tough place to play for whatever reason, but this was – Literally only the third win since 1999 at Cal. That's was it the first since I believe 08, the first uh, the CBI year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so it's been a while. Um, anything else you want to cover from the Cal game? Um, no, just just you know, great shit, so refreshing, and and I think I think we're both in agreement that it's going to be a springboard towards gonna, better things. It's going to be a springboard to. Better things. I think we're both uh, in agreement that Devin Askew. Oh right, an that was Cal. Yes, like what a difference! One, it's it's depressing almost. It's so bizarre how someone who's clearly better than everybody else makes everyone so much worse. They were doing better without him. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Me and you were talking about how like Devin Askew because he's clearly very good at basketball. Like there's clearly reason he went to Cal and Texas. Like that he's a Kentucky high than Texas. Yeah, yeah. Kentucky than Texas. Sorry, and then then to Cal, but and he he's got skills. He can get his own shot, but he might be the the worst best player in the country. He looks miserable. I mean, he's not even trying to act like he's gonna prop anybody around him up. They, I think, we're on to it that they're much happier with with him on the bench and Joel Brown and and uh, the freshman Newell or whoever. It just being a hodgepodge. It's a different guy every night for him. Yeah, exactly. So, but you know, and shout out to Devin. I, I hope you're doing okay because it does seem like you're very miserable. And I feel bad. You've clearly worked very hard at basketball in your life. 
Yeah, he and uh, just to say something nice, he did. He was two of twelve, but he did have seven assists. So he found a way to. I mean, he really just dominates the ball when he's in. It's <laughs> always in his hands. It's, it's like hands. it's like the bizarro Isaac Bonton team from two years ago at Washington State. But they loved him. They yeah. were all in on it. Yeah, they were convinced he was great. Uh, okay, let's move on to upcoming games. So on Thursday, if you're listening to this, uh, which is probably today. Oregon State is taking on Utah at 8 o'clock on the Pac-12 network. The Beavs have won three straight versus Utah at home, so keep that in mind going into it. Utah is kind of on a roll right now. They are second in the Pac-12. They've won two games in a row versus the Washington schools after getting kind of blown out in two games yeah, in a row. after a little bit of a rough patch. Their coach said that after they lost, they lost to UCLA in a blowout and lost to USC in a rout. Um, he said they had a closed door meeting where he challenged each one of them to get better and that he thinks they've turned the corner and really rallied. So they're still in position to win the conference. They're only two games behind UCLA. What are you looking forward to in this game? The obvious Utah a bit up and down, like every team except UCLA and Arizona, and even Arizona has been too. In, they just in got the caught conference. by Oregon. Right, yeah. It, so kind of an unpredictable team, which I think – goes to the Beavers' favor. They played well for the first 24 minutes or so in Salt Lake against this team. I mean, they're, they're, uh, their biggest guy is obviously Carlson, by Brandon Carlson. Ben Carlson's a nice player too, but if if on the road you can keep Carl, Brandon from having a big game, you're going to have a great chance. Yeah, the Carlsons are key for Utah, which it's funny how on brand that sounds. Um, <laughs> everything about the everything you just said about that players only meeting is the most Utah State ass shit ever. And I know this is University of Utah, but it just they're so on brand. Uh, yeah, so they are good. They're a big team. I think it's going to really press the Beavers rebounding. But if the ball movement looks the way it does at Cal, and I think you go into this game with the confidence that Jordan Pope is still probably the best, is even with Carlson having a good year. Um, Jordan Pope is still the best guard on the court. So even if they have probably the best big, you still have the best guard, and that gives you a fighting chance in any game. And it's it's better matchups for Akano and Taylor, too, because this is not the most athletic team in the world. They shoot the ball extremely well. It's not that they're unathletic, but it's not the same, and they're not as lengthy as a team like Colorado. Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking for, like you said, Pope, Akano, Taylor to have impactful games. I'll be curious to see who he starts I'm really curious to see who Tinkle starts at the five. Is he going to go with Andela because he's big? Is he going to stick with Casey? Is he going to go back to Ratai and Bilodeau and kind of go like the shorter, like two power forward movements? Like, well, I'm not sure what the plan is going to be. He, he went to Ibekwe the first time they played him about two weeks ago, and he's come away since then even. And he, he couldn't stick with him long because he turned the ball over twice and he made a mistake in their zone. But even that night, he gave Carlson a bucket and looked – pretty comfortable doing it. And so I've, I've got to think there's a chance he goes to him early. That's right. So um, hopefully they avenge the 79-60 loss from earlier in the season. They will. They will. All right. Then Col uh, Oregon State takes on Colorado on Saturday at 730 on the Pac-12 Network. Last time they played, Colorado beat Oregon State 62-42. to 42. Colorado right now is in a three-way tie for seventh in the conference at four and six, but could have been worse. Simpson hit a buzzer, not a buzzer beater three, but like a three with like four or five seconds left versus Washington State to win and avoid the worst 10-game conference start in Boyle's career. How are we looking for a vulnerable Colorado team that does seem to have Oregon State's number? Yeah, as in, as with recent years, uh, I think that, that if the Beavers can 
defend the way they did in Boulder, they'll give themselves a chance in in Corvallis. That sixty two points is is not insurmountable for any team, including the Beavers. And I, that's why I'm very confident about this game. I, I think that guys like Pope, who went two of eleven in Boulder, are going to shoot a lot better, and it's going to be a, a much different game. Yeah, this Colorado team is good, but they're very turnover prone. I think that's especially true because like Simpson, who's their guard, is much more of like a true scoring guard than he is like a real distributor like they've had. So they're definitely turnover prone. Curious to see if we throw a little full court press at them or what the, what the move is to kind of accentuate that. And, but they are good at defense and they are kind of uniformly big, like the Cardinal, like Stanford, where they have a lot of size. Silva was a nightmare matchup. Uh, De Silva was a nightmare matchup for Oregon state last time they played. And will be again. And will be again. Saturday. I am curious to see how they match them. I almost feel like Rattai and Silva match up well, but then you kind of pull him away from the big. So maybe you start Andela and Rattai. Maybe bring Billy off the bench. I'm not sure. You've got different options to throw at him, but none are quite ideal. But, yeah, between all of them, if you can keep either Simpson or De Silva under 14 points when they're on the road, you've got a pretty good chance to beat him. And you think that rebounding would be a struggle, and it might be, but the first time they played him, it was 38-34. So not at all the reason they lost. Not at all. <laughs> um, okay, let's hear this. Uh, say the name again. Oh, right. The so, loss to the Beavers in college All-Star. Right. This was inspired because I was I was watching the uh, the Blazers-Pacers game uh, about a week ago and made the very fun realization that, that the Pacers feature two guys who, who lost to the Beavers in college, both in uh, Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Duarte. So I thought... Would it be fun to, to and you can make quite the squad with it. And so I've got a, I've got a lot of honorable mentions. I'll just say their names: Cade Cunningham, a lot of them from the promise season. Luke Walton, Derek Williams from Arizona, Peyton Pritchard, Troy Brown, Buck the Ducks, Keon Johnson, Chris, Chris Duarte, McKinley Wright, Zaire Williams, Matisse Thybul, Jabari Walker. And no, that's not just all the NBA players that have lost to the Beavers. There's ones that I did not include. Either because I couldn't find them or just didn't want to. I didn't want to include all of them. Okay. Right, right. All right. So here's here's the starters, though. I I, I have the the game that they lost to. Him. The first one is a uh, Tyrese Halliburton is is at point guard. Right. He uh, the triple double machine. He lost to the Beavers at Iowa State, November 9th, two thousand nineteen. It was eighty to seventy four. Memorable game. I do remember that. That's a recent one. I remember watching that game because Tyrese Halliburton was my favorite college player of the last like two or three years because he makes the right decision every time and. It was just so funny watching him make the perfect pass to an Iowa State player and just see them miss layup after layup, 10-foot jumper. They were just such a bad team. Yeah, that was just right before they went to Osselberger. They were a tr- – it was yeah, it was truly a world-class, like, lottery pick surrounded by just terrible. Um, so that was a fun – I remember uh, Zach Reichel hit a big key three in that one. Okay, so the, the shooting guard, though, is um, Zach Levine. Yep who lost to the Beavers February 2nd, 2014 at UCLA, 71-67. A shameful moment in, for Ben Howland fans and Zach Levine fans. Uh, that's always a fun one. Okay, and at the three, I went uh, I went with Paul George, who is is the captain of the the team because he lost to the Beavers twice. He can't get he can't get over it. Not a lot of people remember. Yet I, I we all remember the, the December 23rd, 2009 game in Corvallis, it was snowing in Portland. That's a memorable day for everybody. But a, a lot of people forget the previous season, November 30th, the Beavers went to Fresno and won 
So that's a fun one for you. Now I remember when Paul George got drafted and I was convinced that he was going to be terrible because he had lost to yeah. the Beavers. No, I specifically remember watching that around the holidays with friends and being like, this guy sucks. There's not, there's no way he's a first round pick. And so congratulations to both the Craig Robinson era Beavers and Paul George for proving us wrong. But, um, two things can be right. at the same Two time. things can be true at the same time. It's very true. Uh, Okay, at the four, could 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 flip these two, but Jalen Brown, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who played a year at Cal for Conzo Martin, what a different time to be alive that was. Uh, but he lost to the Beavers uh, January 9th, 2016, 77-71. Conzo Martin should get banned from coaching for losing to the Beavers with Jalen Brown and Ivan Rabb. Yeah, yeah, like that's not part of his whole banner spiel. Like, sure, he can bring – you multiple NBA players in one roster, but he's not going to do well at Gill. And and I think that's why he, he bounced from Missouri. I'm saying it. He just didn't want to go back to Gill. It phased him too much. Okay, the center I went with, because uh, centers were hard to find, I'll be honest. I went with Evan Mobley, <laughs> College 5, um, during the promise season, January 19, 2021, he, along with uh, brother Isaiah, lost to the Beavers 58-56 at Gill in a game that I'll always remember because Wayne Tinkle gave Andy Peterson just a quick wink when they shook hands after. Yeah. Great stuff. It's um, the Silva shift. That was the, the original Silva shift. I mean, there's a couple Silva games. You know, ultimately it was the Tennessee one. But, yeah, you're right. I think so. That was the original <laughs> one. Okay. And the sixth man, I had Andre Iguodala, former NBA champion. February 21st, 2004, he, Lute Olsen, refused to speak to his team after he was so disgusted. The Beavers avenged a 40-point loss earlier in the season in Tucson. They won 90-84. to 84. I was in attendance. It was magical. You know it was. Yeah, and that had to be hard for <clears throat> Iguodal to swallow because he famously did not drink or party at all in college. So what does he what does he do to get over a loss? Like <laughs> well, you know, it's going to make it even more unforgivable. That that's probably why they lost that game. Like, Salim Stoudemire, everybody's like, yeah, I know people in Portland. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, that was perfect. That was a great list. Yeah, just a little pick-me-up, just a reminder. More, more W's are on the way. More W's are on the way. More NBA players are destined to join that list. We'll do that list in 20 years and see what we have Oh, to. man. Um, okay. Any shout-outs on our way out here? Oh, I had one for a guy that we brought up before. He's in the lexicon, you know, the PIL greats that we always love to to celebrate and talk about. Marcus Saonis, though, on his third college team in three years, uh, put up 46 for Long Beach State. Yeah, the highest highest point total in the country so far. Yeah, so shout-out to Jefferson High School, PIL fans, celebrators of Portland area basketball. It's a big win for us. Exactly. Marcus Honus started varsity for Jeff for four years. And if you ever saw him play, he just, it was obvious that he belonged at Long Beach State from maybe being yes. a 15 year old on. This is the perfect environment. He for him. has looked exactly the same since he was 15 years old. He <laughs> has not aged a bit. He looked really old then. Now he looks about like 21 or whatever. Yeah, he is. it's appropriate. Um, yeah, that's a great shout out. And I have a couple. I have I want to shout the girls, Oregon State girls, for beating the Ducks. I was at an intense for the game. That was a great game. It is 
so crazy how much more attended the girls' games are than the men's games. Get, let's just build off of it, though. We got to, yeah, yeah. we got to get some of that magic in Gil for when the fellas play this weekend because it will make all the difference. Very impressive. And I know the girls' teams had uh, some ups and downs this season, but I think this is a real rallying point. And Oregon was ranked 23rd in the country, so they're also having, like, not maybe the strongest year. But to me, I see all the pieces there of the team. I was really impressed with the interior presence, great passing, it's yeah, it's a good team. They're, they yeah, they've had a few more losses maybe than we would have hoped, but they're going to be so dangerous come conference tournament time. Yeah, and the freshman they just got back. I I forget her name, but she played really well coming off the bench. She was very impressive. Now I'm going to ask a question. I think I know the answer to, but did you have a Gill dog and Gill beard? Of course. Right. How do you not? How do you walk in there now that that's an option? Um, okay, and then I want to give a shout out to Joe Barrett, who uh, is my little brother's girlfriend's dad. We were celebrating his birthday. He's the ultimate Beaver fan. That's why we were at the game. So happy birthday to you, Joe. OG Peyton, Ed. Happy birthday, Joe. And OG Peyton. Let's Ed. get back down to Gill this year, Joe. Let's do it. And then my last shout out is to you. You said no one cares about comedy, but just uh, so people know, Sam just got named one of the five funniest people in Portland by the Willamette Week. He's cruising in comedy, killing it, and he's taking time out of his busy schedule to come here and chop it up about the Beavers. So shout out to you, you funny Beaver believer. Yeah, well, shout out to all of us. If any Peyton heads voted in that, thank you. I can't imagine that that any of you did, but uh, can't imagine that's that's who the, who the polling process. <laughs> what a what a what a fun overlap that would be. But. <laughs> all right, and I guess just the last thing to say, and uh, I really I, I mean this. Fuck the ducks. Fuck the ducks. All right. Go bees forever. See y'all very soon.